My guest on this week's episode of Susan Search is Calvin Newman, founder of Brighton SEO. Calvin started Brighton with just a few people getting together in a pub back in 2010. Today, it is the biggest search marketing event in Europe with over 3,500 attendees. The number of attendees and the massive growth only tells some of the story. Brighton SEO is adored by attendees, exhibitors, and speakers alike. I cannot think of another conference where people are this loyal and this vocal in their support. Calvin joined me for a big announcement. For the first time, Brighton SEO is hosting a conference in the United States. What happened behind the scenes to bring Brighton to the U.S.? What made Kelvin confident that now was the time to enter the American market? What's going to be different about this conference? And just as importantly, what's going to be the same? I'm going to ask Kelvin these questions and many more. Grab something cold to drink and join me for a conversation with Kelvin Newman. We'll chat about his approach to speaker selection. We'll talk about ballot tickets, aka free tickets. And we'll spend a little time chatting about t-shirt cannons and conference cars. All right, Kelvin, welcome to Susan Search. How are you doing? Yeah, all good, all good. Thanks so much for having me today. I'm really excited to be to be yeah to be on and involved. I'm I'm excited to have you because you have some big news this week. The biggest announcement in SEO is that Brighton SEO, the the biggest conference in Europe, maybe even the biggest conference in the world, is coming to the United States for the first time. So this conference will be in November of 2023. For anyone not familiar with Brighton SEO, I can tell you this is a big deal. Whenever Brighton SEO takes place, you know, SEO Twitter just blows up with posts from speakers and attendees alike. It's been like one day since the location announcement, and I've seen it all over Twitter today. So what I would say, Kelvin, is you guys have clearly struck a nerve with this with this show. This is a conference series that people get really excited about. Um, what is it about Brighton SEO that's caused this level of excitement? Yeah, it's a strange one, really. So, yeah, I mean, we never kind of set out to organise an SEO conference, to be completely honest. So we've been doing it a fairly decent amount of time now. So I think it's like 13 <laughs> and a bit years. Um, and, yeah, it kind of started out as, yeah, a few people meeting in an upstairs room of a pub in Brighton. So Brighton is a city on the south coast of the UK. Um, and, yeah, kind of it's not too far from London. So, like, it's one of these places that ended up being kind of a bit of a digital hotspot for people who kind of, perhaps were moving away from London, wanted to brighten a seat that's on the seaside. So it's kind of one of those um, destinations. So there ended up being like lots of SEO agencies for like a variety of reasons. Mm. Um, and in the very early days of Twitter, um, you know, people were using the hashtag Brighton SEO to sort of connect with other people who worked in SEO who were in Brian. And it was just kind of like one of those, you know, the old fashioned days of Twitter is how people sort of kind of kept in contact. And it then became a kind of like, well, um informal gathering every so often for people to kind of go down the pub who worked in seo in brighton um and then i kind of got the idea well if we got a projector and got a couple of people to do some talks we can go down the pub at lunchtime rather than wait until after work to do it so that's kind of literally how the first event started and we had room for i don't know 20 people wow. and 30 people showed up and then book somewhere bigger that was too small book somewhere bigger that was too small yeah just kind of snowballed from there really and it's like yeah we've yeah. learned a lot along the way and i think there's a lot we do now that is we think we do a good job um but yeah we didn't kind of go into it with an intention we're going to launch an seo conference if just each time we did it you know we're, we're a bit more successful than we thought we were going to be so next time around we just made a bit more effort and yeah it kind of like cascaded from there and now it's yeah twice a year in europe um and then we're going to do the plan is to be twice a year in the us but we've got one announced at the moment um, and yeah, the UK one, we get about 4,000 attendees from 50 different countries. 
um, yeah, coming coming together to learn about it. And us, there's some bits about our style that it's a lot like you'd expect from an SEO conference, right? There's people standing up, giving presentations and, and talks and all that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, we think there's a few bits that make it special and perhaps a slightly different and unique and sort of, and in fairness, some of that kind of lends itself to that kind of broader, like, Twitter reaction or social media reaction. And it's kind of a lot about, you know, when you kind of look back and decisions you made, it's like, ah, oh, well, that like was quite a clever thing, even though it was never really the plan because it mm-hmm. allows, yeah, encourages that kind of word of mouth stuff, which is, yeah, like exciting for us. So yeah, so, so we've been planning to do something in the States for years and years and years. Then COVID came along and then kind of, we you know, stepped back a bit from that. And yeah, kind of the opportunity presented itself to kind of have a go now. And yeah, we're kind of like, let's get stuck straight in and yeah, do our first event in, in six months time. Oh, I love it. And I, I love, you know, it was kind of fun to watch because you left some hints in on Twitter about, you know, should we keep calling it Brighton SEO or like, where should yeah. it be if we had a conference in, in, in the United States? And so, you know, this clearly took a lot of planning and preparation. Um, you know, take us behind the scenes if you could. W- what was it like planning something that's so, so big? Who Who's in the room with you when you're making these kinds of decisions? And uh, in particular, I was curious because you put it out there on Twitter. Like, how did you decide? How did you come yeah. down on the name and, yeah. and the location? Yeah, so I mean, the, the name was bit is a really interesting one. Um, you know, in as much because obviously Brighton is a city, so like in a weird way, it's like mm. kind of I don't know, like London SEO or you know PPC New York or something like that. So it's kind of that type of thing. So for a long time, that kind of like was like, well, what if we were doing anything anywhere outside of Brighton? What would we call it? You know, it was always kind of like one of those. Like that's the first item on the to-do list when we sort of start to um, start to kind of do an international plan. And like, so one of the key people who's been helping us do this in the States is Lindsay, Lindsay, um, Lindsey okay. Jones, who m- many people know was involved in running Search Love from day zero and involved with HeroConf um, like more recently. Um, so she's joined us to kind of help us on that kind of thing. And one of the things she said is like, well, you've got a great brand here. Why are you considering starting anything new? And again, a lot of the feedback we got from kind of people online was either that like that's the brand so don't worry about it or or indeed in reality it's like for me i've lived in brighton for that's where i went to university and i've kind of stayed there and it's kind of very familiar to me the reality is lots of people outside the uk have never even heard of brighton so it's like actually they just yeah. think that's a word so like actually i was kind of obsessed <laughs> about well won't it be confusing if it's got the name of a city that's like that most people so it, yeah like it, that was kind of part of the logic there but yeah it does feed into this Again, it's sort of considered, but like, um, so we'll, like, I've been asking a lot of questions on Twitter and LinkedIn using polls and kind of like asking people's feedback. And that's like a two pronged reason, really. We do it partially because it's really helpful as kind of like an informal market research process to help us decide when we're going, what city, what do we call it? When do we host it? Um, what should it look like? Um, so yeah, obviously that's really helpful for that, that kind of purpose there. But yeah, it's kind of, it's a sort of like subtle guerrilla marketing thing as well right so it was kind of like it wasn't yeah. a huge surprise that we we're doing all this stuff and it kind of builds a bit of yeah um expectation of what we're trying to do and yeah and that's kind of again kind of core to our dna as a kind of an organization is that like we so even with the uk event like something that we do that um i think has a is a subtle thing but ends up having kind of like a um like a significant um effect on kind of the culture of how we approach things is so when we're programming the conference we so multi-track event, the US one will be multi-track as well. Um, we get all the pictures in for all the talks that we're going to do and we select those that we're going to choose and we kind of group them into sessions. So like, we have three talks of 20 minutes 
And then, so we've got all these different groups of, you know, free talks about like, I don't know, AI and content generation, free talks about link building, free talks about local SEO or, or whatever they are, those combinations. Mm-hmm. And like, obviously I as a organizer, they don't have a sense of, well, that's the most important one that is. And then, you know, which normally that would be how an event organizer would program and kind of go, okay, I think this is the most important mm-hmm. one and do it that way. Um, but we kind of go, well, we don't know. Like we have a feeling that we think this will be the topic that people are going to be most interested mm-hmm. in. Um, but instead we kind of go, well, everyone has got a ticket. Um, you tell us, right, which of these four, you know, we, so we send them a survey, we randomize the order. We say out of five, I think actually. So one would be, I probably wouldn't want to attend that five. I'm desperate to attend that. And we get them to kind of feed that back. And that then informs kind of the, the logic of how we program, right? So we, because our mm-hmm. stages are all different sizes, the biggest one's quite a bit bigger than the second size stage. So you kind of allows you to go, well, okay, you know, these are the talks that are the most popular. And like initially I thought, oh, well, it's just going to tell me what I already know, right? But it's, mm-hmm. it regularly surprises me. And and again, yeah. that does give you a quite nice thing as well, because uh, another thing that we like to do a lot of is like introduce new speakers and have people who have perhaps never spoken at conferences before um and i think if i was programming it as kind of just an event organizer i think i'd probably be a bit more inclined to go well here's the person who's been doing it the longest here's the person who's got the best reputation let's put them on the big stage in the best slots um whereas actually what this sometimes does is by kind of going well what people are most interested in you occasionally get people who've never spoken on a stage before standing up in front of like two and a half thousand people in the prime yeah. slot kind of doing that. And, and that's, you know, can be quite scary for them. We have to kind of help them through that process, but yeah, it's kind of democratic or like, I don't know. It's just kind of, yeah, it's that type of thing. So in cho- to go back to your original question, it's like, yeah, when we were choosing the city and doing all this sort of stuff, that was kind of very much just instinctive to us. Like that's the kind of approach that you get. And the reality is stuff like the city, like basically there are a lot of people kind of going, you know, it's weird. The people in Austin who live in Austin were voting for Austin. The people who live in Miami were voting for Miami. Like, yeah, there was it. You know, we had to like factor that into the equation to some extent. But yeah, it's just that kind of. It's just really useful to get kind of a perspective, and it sometimes does sort of, um, you know, present things like that. But San Diego kind of felt quite a logical one, and was like high on our list before we got the reassurance there, because there's again, you know, Brighton is a seaside location. Obviously, San Diego is a you know, on the coast, yeah. on the bay there. So there's that kind of similar sort of by the water feel that we were looking for. And um, yeah, the kind of, you know, the, the gaslight district is kind of, you know, it's different, but similar to some of the areas of bright, like the, the North lane that you've got in Brighton. So yeah, we were kind of trying to find things that were similar in that kind of selection yeah. process. So yeah, it was, you know, and, it, and it's, it's helpful to kind of get yeah. that feedback and, you know, there are things there that have been useful. And also, you know, it's a, a subtle way of us starting to kind of go, is this a good idea or not? Because, you know, we we're hoping to get that kind of, are people excited about it? And if they are, that's a good indication that we're doing the right thing. Whereas if that had fallen on dead ears and no one no one cared, that maybe would have been a good sign to us to kind of go, do you know what, maybe don't, don't bother this time around. I love it. Well, wow, it's that's so, that's so much to unpack there. Like, one thing that comes to mind, though, is you've got this thing that people really love. You've got this conference series that people really love and you want some level of continuity between the Brighton we've always known and this new Brighton in the United States. But maybe you also want a few new surprises. You want some unique things uh, mm. that weren't either possible or practical in, in the UK. How do you balance that? How do you, how do you balance the desire to keep things working, mm. <laughs> work, that work working, yeah. while at the same time, you know, taking a few chances and trying a few new things? Yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting question to kind of, yeah, like, and again, when you're kind of coming into it, there was this, like, we fell our way into it, navigated our way through what we were doing. 
yeah, it's been kind of an interesting question to kind of reflect on. I think this is the same for any business in any kind of like mm. process of marketing or growing or whatever. It's to kind of go, well, what are the what are the unique important things that like that are really important? And what are the things that just aren't? They're like they're just there, but they're not like good or bad. They're just like you know not not important. So yeah, that's kind of been interesting to do that. And a lot of that's kind of like we're in a really interesting one at the moment in terms of the programming of the event, kind of going. Well, historically in the UK, we do um, these short, punchy, twenty-minute talks, and like again, it's kind of going. Is that the right thing to do in the states? And we're leaning at the moment to it. It'll probably be the same. It's like, do we go half hours? I don't think we would change the kind of more of the keynotey format that some events do, where they'll go. It's forty-five minutes to an hour per speaker. I don't think that would be the the thing that we would do. But it, yeah, it's interesting to kind of go in the format. What's there? Um, elements in terms of the party bits there are kind of interesting as well but a kind of a really interesting one is like so in the uk um event that the nature of the venue that we use and the format that we've got it's like it's a essentially a, a music venue most of the most of yeah. the year or, or like a you know like it'll be theater and stuff as well and comedy and all that kind of thing but it's like that sort of yeah like cultural venue um, so it's got no hotel attached to it. There's loads of hotels nearby, so we just don't really worry about that. And we sort of let everyone fend for themselves in terms of the hotel. But obviously in the States, that's kind of one thing they think is going to be quite different because in the UK, it's quite feasible to get to Brighton from London in an hour. You know, people, a lot of people are like dipping in for a day, so to speak. Whereas our expectation is that like inevitably people will be traveling from further afield in, in the US. So kind of like we're expecting hopefully quite a lot of people from San Diego to come along, but it's like, people in California, well, people all over, really. So, yeah, it's kind of going, well, how does that change up if everyone's in the same, staying in the same hotel? We're hoping that's going to be the case because that's a bit of how the, the, the model of the event works. But it's going to be interesting to kind of go, well, what's the bits that kind of, will that change if everyone's all in one location at one point in time? And I think that'd be really nice because it'd be that kind of informal, yeah. you're going for breakfast, there's going to be people there as well. And, yeah, yeah it's, it's hard to know precisely what's going to be the bits that will connect in the same way and which bits we we're changing but it is interesting to kind of look at each of these decisions that you've previously made before for an event and kind of go why did we choose that um and is is that a good thing to continue to do is that things that we find and i, I suppose probably one of the key things i've not mentioned that you know might be interesting to people um who have never come across the event before is so m like most conferences you know are catered we don't cater the food we don't provide lunch mm. um so that allows us to dramatically reduce the cost of our tickets. So I think even mm. our most expensive ticket is still probably about 50% less than most of the yeah. other sort of conferences. But we also do free tickets. So the event's over two two main days and a training day on top of that. But we do these ballot tickets, which are essentially free yeah. to attend. So like you can apply for a ballot and we'll, you know, hope in the UK at least we get like many more applicants than there are slots. Mm. And then we kind of divvy them out in a variety of ways. Um, and so we do that. So that's kind of quite a nice one as well. So it allows people to come. And obviously, they've still got to get there. And so it's not a completely free event from that perspective. But it potentially allows people or organisations to either send people who wouldn't be able to go to an event when it's just, you know, when it's $1,000, $1,250 a ticket. Um, so, yeah, that kind of like allows it to be bigger. So, like, you know, like, like I say, 4,000 people in the UK. Um but also it kind of like potentially brings a slightly different mixture of people to the event, which I think could be kind of quite energizing and um, yeah, it could be quite powerful for the people who are attending, if you see what I mean. So it's like it tends to be, obviously we still get all those senior people that kind of you would expect, but it also kind of means more junior people can attend or people from smaller organizations, people from charities, people from kind of like um, NGO type organizations that perhaps might, it's not less of that kind of just 
you know, big managers at big agencies, if you see what I mean. And that, that's kind of quite a nice feel to it as well, I think. Yeah, that's that's so interesting. And I, I wanted to mention the, the ballot tickets. So we've got to get, um, for people watching this, you can go on to the website. It's like us.brightonseo.com and time's a ticking because I think we've got, we're filling this in the middle of June. And by the end of June, we've got to get your applications in. But that's an amazing, unique feature of Brighton SEO. You can get these free tickets. Uh, you know, the, the the last thing you mentioned at the beginning, and I was thinking about this, I don't need to tell you that this has been a tricky few years for conferences. In the US, we were in like decimated, like Search Love, where you also mentioned, they had their final final conference, SMX, which was like a, I used to go to SMX in like 2012 and stuff like that, 10 years ago. It's fully virtual now. So this is a lot of the, the fallout from COVID, but I have a hunch that you might have timed this thing just right. You're entering the US market at almost exactly the time when almost everyone is more willing to travel and get on a plane. Uh, people get, uh, I'll just say from me, I'm, I'm not gonna say people, for me, I got a lot of inspiration and uh, and education from conferences early in my career. There, there simply aren't as many to go to anymore. Hmm. What what made you confident that this was the right moment though? To, yeah, to, to I mean, some of, the, some of that, like I said, was the opportunity in terms of, yeah, that had been our kind of logic and we were kind of seeing that the, the space was different to what it was pre-COVID, um, you know, in terms of, yeah, like you say, there are some that have, uh, for a variety of reasons, aren't continuing to run or are running in slightly different formats. The the locations of some of them have changed. Um, the routines are sort of like, yeah, um, you know, changed as well. And there's still lots of really great events going on. And like, we can, you know, we like really impressed by all of those and we're excited by them. And like, I'm looking at, like, I've got a better excuse now to come to more of them. So I'm kind of quite excited by that as well. But yeah, it did feel like there was a bit of an opportunity. And I don't think anyone quite um, operate even beforehand were quite the same. They tend to be. So there's this really sort of, I don't know, it's a wanky sort of like event industry term that they use that like often events are kind of they're kind of conference so they're um you know you pay to attend there might be a small number of sponsors and like it's kind of like a their their revenue stream is delegate sales so people buying tickets that's how they make money yeah um and then there's kind of a format like a trade show where you might have the tickets might be completely free to attend or like really low cost but it's predominantly funded by sponsors an exhibition um and there aren't so many of those in seo but like you might get like a more broader general marketing one of those and there's mm -hmm. lots of those in europe like there's the mexico there's you know various ones like that that mm -hmm. might be ten thousand attendees but seo is just like one of 20 different marketing topics that they talk about um but we're kind of like a confex which is this horrible combination word like it's a conference and it's an exhibition um and i think that's been like part of why it's been the event's been successful in Europe and why we hope it will be successful in the States is that, you know, that business model of our, the, the event is slightly different and it kind of creates a slightly different type of like event program. So like, like there's far more kind of like the trade show element, which can mean that you're having these meetings. So if you were going to go and buy a new SEO tool or platform in some way, shape or form, you can see three or four in one meetings in one day, you get loads of demos so that becomes quite useful in its own sense there. Um, and of course, like that then means that we can have the free to attend bits. So that then means that like the inclination is that the event tends to be a bit bigger because for a variety, I don't know, it's a bit different in search and back in the days of SES and all that kind of thing in the past. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Generally like most conferences often sort of top out about 700 people, if you know what I mean, because that tends mm -hmm. to be the way which it tends to operate. Whereas like we can kind of go, 
you know, our plan is we're hoping to get like 1,500, 2,000 people, fingers crossed, you know. So, um, yeah, like we think we'll be towards one of the biggest search events in the States on launch. And the plan is that we want to be a lot bigger than that, right? Because that's sort of like the how it's worked wow. in the UK where we've got five or six tracks. And like, strangely, we're sort of limited a bit in the UK in that our spaces we take all over the, you know, the main the largest venue in Brighton, we're filling it out. So that was, again, part of the logic of why now was that kind of like, um, we've got more and more people traveling to come to Brighton and, you know, like many, many people pitching to speak and all of that sort of thing from the US. So it just kind of felt like quite a logical sort of step to go. Do you know what? That's the case. And we hope, like with the plans that we've got, that, yeah, that we can kind of be even larger. Like I don't see any reason why the, the US events couldn't be at least as big, if not bigger than the, yeah. the, the UK ones. And certainly in terms of the venues, there's lots of suitable venues in lots of cities that would be kind of quite practical for that so yeah it's it's exciting for us um but yeah it, like you say it's an interesting space and like we don't you know we know that there's some great events already going on and kind of trying to fit in and not overlap and step on what people are doing there is always tricky but like yeah we're excited we think we've got a slightly different way of doing things that we think will work well that will kind of like complement what already exists and kind of fit within there and provide an alternative where yeah like you say because of some of the changes there's a bit less of a yeah, the the number and scale of those events that weren't perhaps the same case as I don't know five years ago or ten or even fifteen years ago, to be completely honest. So yeah, we're we're excited about that. I love that, and I I think if I could, the speakers who have already signed up are like incredible. You have uh, you have you have like Greg from my team. You have Mike King. You have Ross Hudgens, like uh, Pernos speaking. It's going to be an amazing show. Um, but one of the things you mentioned, I, I did always love this about Brighton, mm. is that it launched careers. You know, people mm. would speak there, and the next thing I know, they're speaking all over. Mm. Um, I, I, this is like a two-part question. What mm. What is your – if you could go in a little bit more detail about your um, your approach to, to selecting speakers. Yeah. And if you're still selecting applications for speakers, maybe give a shout-out to, to who should attend because I really want the up-and-coming mm. speakers, the people who yeah. – to, yeah. to, to, to apply. You know, to, this is yeah. this is what it's all about. Yeah, I mean, I think that's like, yeah, for us, yeah. So we're in the process of selecting speakers. So like, it's like, you know, there are some that have been selected, but there are still slots available. And um, yeah, so if people want to, the the us.brightonseo.com. Um, and then there's a speakers page on that. So I think, I think that might be us.brightonseo.com forward slash speakers, I think. Um, there's a link there that kind of has a like a Google form. And so that's kind of our process there. And we really encourage people to um, submit those pitches to, to, to do that talk and so our selection process is yeah slightly different i think to perhaps how um other events do it i mean that they they and everyone does it slightly differently but they might kind of go hey um speaker x i think that you're a really good speaker we really like you what do you want to talk about um and like or they would kind of go we've got a topic here's a topic we want who and then they either go through their rolodex for who they think could cover that or kind of go here are the topics we're looking for speakers for. Do you want to apply for that topic? Whereas ours is far more like, no, we don't care about that. Here's a pitch form. You tell us what you want to cover. And then we're kind of judging it predominantly on the title first, rather than the reputation of the people. Now, obviously, when we're, you know, like we've kind of got a few people that we're kind of confident are going to do good talks. And the pitch came to us early and we knew that we wanted to launch with a number of speakers sort of ready to go. But yeah, we're for the rest of the slots that we've got, we're doing that kind of standard process for us, which is to go and go, yeah, we want as many people to pitch as possible. And the reality is we're hoping that we're going to have multiple events, right? So even if it doesn't quite yeah. fit this time around, exactly. 
that process will be kind of like, trust me, we're, we're continually looking for speakers for the next event that it comes around. So yeah, that's kind of, again, that kind of process. So we start with the title and then worry about the person. If, you know, we want them to be credible. We want them to know what they're talking about, but yeah, like it's less of that kind of, and again, I think that's like, some of that's like psychological and like cultural for how we approach things, but also some of it's also dictated by the business model, right? If you're, a conference that is exclusively based on ticket sales um your motivation is you want to kind of go who's the best known speaker right. that you can have and you want them to do a good job because you do and they're not no no one's like selecting for bad speakers for that but that their priority is like who's gonna be the most well known um whereas because our event has this large proportion of tickets that are free or indeed a lower cost it means that the reasons why people are choosing to attend they're le- looking less at the speaker lineup initially um, like, and it, we need to get great speakers, right? Because if they don't, if people don't come, they don't learn, they don't have a good experience for that reason, they're not going to want to come back. But it allows us to, like, choose the editorial in a slightly different way, if that makes sense. So, yeah. And, you know, it's this precedent for that. It's like, in the UK, there's a big music event called Glastonbury. And, like, they, um, the, the tickets sell out before they even announce any of the lineup. And that's just, mm. like, the format of how that, that how that, like, music festival works because yeah. people kind of are buying into a bit more than just the lineup now obviously the lineup has to be great right that's they've still got that kind of same challenge there but it's a slightly different to a music festival that perhaps doesn't have that same draw so therefore needs their headliners in place needs their um kind of you know their process of who they select to perform in that kind of analogy there are slightly different so that's kind of yeah our one there so there's still slots to be there um next few weeks are kind of like key to that but even so even after that period of time if someone kind of like comes up with an idea and um has a really good idea for a talk put it in because that forms up year round and then yeah you know if the speaker drops out we've got that people there that we can drop into and trust me like if all all goes to plan we're going to be programming another event very very quickly as well so yeah there's you know ready to go and and actually i think in a strange way that kind of we like to encourage people to pitch as many times as they like right because each time they've got an idea that they think would be a good talk get it in because they never know we never know when we're going to kind of go oh actually we really need to talk about that topic and that one's ready to go or we start working on a an event behind the scenes but we don't want to tell people about it but we want to like we'll tell the people who've pitched because that's that's how it works so that was a degree of where the current lineup came from which was us speakers pitching to attend the uk event we kind of went yeah. yeah we're working on a us one you know so that was kind of the, the process of how that, that kind of came together the lineup there i love it I mean, these are these are really i'm starting to see why this is such, such a special event free tickets for for certain people uh, a really inclusive selection process for speakers that's about that's long it really has launched a lot of careers i think this is awesome uh this is my last question so yeah. I was really keen to to dig into what you said at the beginning where you said, okay, this, this started as something really small. Mm-hmm. It was just people in a pub and, and it went uh, to something so large. It's 13 years now. Um, mm-hmm. I, I can imagine, I can only imagine some of the things you've, you've seen and some of the humorous moments behind the scenes and the hallways or the pubs afterwards. Mm-hmm. Do you have a particular memory or maybe a couple of memories that just always bring a smile to your face? Uh, I do one that, yeah, like there's, yeah, I do one that kind of like perhaps maybe didn't bring a smile to my face, but it was hilarious looking back on at the moment in time. So, um, for so increasingly, we kind of like we've got like a WhatsApp group for the kind of people who are on site who work, and like we're actually multiple different WhatsApp groups in the way there is for all walks of life, but we've got kind of one 
um, that's for the like core members of the team who are working on site. And like again, one of the things that we've tended to do for a variety of reasons is when we're organizing things at the event, we'll try to go, um, what and then my motivation is often like, well, what would I, if I was at an event, what would I take a photo of and upload to Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or whatever it is? Um, and that's kind of manifested itself in a few different ways. So like originally we got like a VW camper van that we got all branded up and we've had the DeLorean from Back to the Future. We've had the Batmobile and all these sort of things. We've got an ice cream van in there. So we're often kind of thinking about well, what these things we can do that like will happen that people will take a photograph of and, now we've got like a seagull, which is like one of the bird that's quite associated with Brighton. And we have a seagull mascot and all that sort of stuff. But a few years back, we had like one of these sort of like, oh, it's called like a dinosaur puppet. But that's kind of, again, it, it's like sort of realistic. So it's kind of someone in a dinosaur suit that's, and it it's not like Barney or anything like that. And like, it's, it's like, a, it sort of looks like a, I think it was a, it was a T-Rex, but it was sort of like... Okay. Yeah, not full size of a T-Rex, probably 10 foot tall rather than 20 foot. Well, I don't know, is a T-Rex like 30 foot tall? Something like that, I don't know. <laughs> but it's kind of was wandering around. And it's one of these things that like would usually you'd have at like a natural history museum or like a mm. children's event or something like that. And we had this kind of like um, <laughs> the person in the suit wandering around in the expo area. And it was like loads of lovely photos. And it was all amazing. Um, but then it was kind of, I got this panicked message and I'm moderating on the main stage. So I'm kind of like with my phone on silent. And it's buzzing away in my pocket. I'm like, shh, shh, what's going on? What's going on here? It's like, yeah, someone's bumped into the dinosaur and is really, really angry. And it was like, it was sort of not kicking off, but certainly a little bit heated. Um, where someone had kind of like bumped into this giant puppet dinosaur and was slightly embarrassed about it and a jump like 10 foot in the air and kind of was really <laughs> sort of like, so yeah, we had a kind of heated moment where we had to talk down the conflict between the, the puppet dinosaur and a slightly aggravated oh, um, attendee. So that was kind of one that will forever stick in my memory of kind of like, yeah, maybe we should just be <laughs> be aware that, like, um, yeah, I don't think it, I think it scared the bloke to be honest. I think that was kind of what yeah. happened. Turned around and it was like there, and it caught him, and he was like, yeah. And then before he knew yeah. it, he kind of like calmed down. But um, it was this kind of like moment of panic where we had a, an angry punter who bumped into a dinosaur, um, and that kind of thing. Oh, that's yeah, that, that's one. And another one is like we we shoot t-shirt cannons as well, and like yeah, t-shirts oh, you... out of t-shirt cannon and that consistently never works. So that's kind of, again, one of these kind of cliched ones now that every year I try and go, no, this year is going to be the time that we get this T-shirt cannon to work amazingly. So I'm, I'm hoping like uh, the US T-shirt cannons will be infinitely more powerful than a European T-shirt cannon. I'm very, I'm very confident is, in that, that aspect of things. This is going to this is going to bum out Greg Gifford. So Greg Gifford, every show, he gives me a, a question for the guests with no context behind it. <laughs> and so I don't even know what I'm asking. And so for you, he said two things and you just mentioned them. He said t-shirt yeah. cannon and conference cars. Those are the yeah. two things that he said. So it sounds like these things are coming to the United States. So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for this, Kelvin. This is huge news. Um, I, I really love some of the, the, the unique features of Brighton SEO, free tickets, uh, inclusive speaker selection. You're looking to make this a, a big, make a big splash here in the United States. And the, the reception has been amazing. Um, I wish you the best of luck on everything. It's been really a pleasure to talk to you. I'm going to give you a virtual cheers and wrap up yeah. for now. Um, for for everyone else watching, um, make sure to go to us.brightonseo, get your tickets, uh, apply to speak if you can. Um, it's going to be a great event in November, uh, but I'll be gone till, till next week with another episode of Sense of Search. Thanks, Kelvin, so much for coming on. Thanks for having me.